Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Hey, kiddos, uh, when you came in, you should have had uh, some things to fiddle with. So if you find yourself wanting to be busy, you have those busy things that are also quiet. Uh, Also, you maybe have gotten some notes that you can kind of follow along with as well. I think those are related to the sermon. Uh, And so you can kind of do that, and that will make sure that everyone uh, is is welcome. And uh, adults, if you find yourself fidgety, go back and see if there's some kids' toys available uh, for you to fidget with as well. So, hey, I want to, we've been in this series uh, over Advent, uh, exploring the four themes of Advent conspiracy, Uh, the four themes being worship fully, spend less, uh, give more, and then what I want to talk about in the final week of our series today, which is love all. Uh, As you've heard throughout Advent, we partner with Mary Medical Mission to build wells in Africa. Uh, We do that through our gift fair, through our offering. Uh, If you look in the back of our sanctuary, these are all the wells that we have been able to purchase uh, through Mary Medical Mission and pay for. Uh, It's touched over 17,000 lives uh, as we've been doing it over the last 10 years. And uh, I love this time of year because just about the time that we get rolling and starting to talk about Advent Conspiracy is when I get the pictures in the mail of the wells that we built the year before. So here's what happens. We talk about all this stuff in Advent, uh, and then we write the check to Marion Medical Mission uh, in January or early February, and then they take that money and build wells in September. Uh, and then they take all those pictures and we get them by the next December. So, so every year when we're talking about this, so actually a couple weeks ago, I received the pictures of the wells that we purchased last year. Uh, and and just, just last year, uh, 1,700 people's lives changed forever uh, because you all decided to do Christmas differently. So it's really, really fun. Uh, we've been doing that. Uh, but I wanted to share with you this morning um, that we do this Uh, Because Advent Conspiracy started with a group of pastors that were touched by an experience that they had in Africa. And actually, um, the the founding pastors of the movement have written a book, and so I wanted to read a portion of that book to you this morning uh, that kind of tells the story of how this whole thing got started, and that'll be a good way for us to launch into this morning's message. Uh, it says this, now when some of the, when the Advocate conspiracy was taking shape, some of us were part of a strategic team that was assessing the water crisis in Liberia. Now the handful of churches that first caught the vision of what could happen if we celebrated Christmas differently were committed to funneling some of our resources away from overconsumption and toward those who might be considered the least of these around the world. Now, sensing that our five churches could start uh, to make a difference, we journeyed to Africa with a team from Living Water International. It's a nonprofit that digs freshwater wells in places around the world that most of us don't even know exist. Now, at times, it didn't seem like we'd be able to reach some of those villages. We were bouncing from rut to rut for hours in the back of a Land Rover, making us painfully aware of how far removed we are from the struggles of many in our world. Now, we stopped at a village that, like many others, welcomed us with beautiful smiles and open arms. We were led through tall grasses away from the village to what they referred to as their well. Now, if this was a well, it was certainly not like any well that we had ever seen. It sat next to a swamp that leached untold disease into the water from which families drew their water every day. And this stagnant gray-green pool was infested with insects, 
was all that these people had. Even as we talked with village elders, women would casually brush away the film that clung to the top of the water and then fill their pots. Looking at this water that was dripping with disease, it seemed all too real. Surely God was leading us. Not only could we push back against the over-consumerism or the hyper-consumerism of our own culture, but we could also begin to heal disease that was seeping into this one. And as a result, we could share the story of Jesus, who is the living water. Everything seemed to be coming together in this one moment. And as I read that, uh, I, I realized that it's stories like this, it's, it's realities like these that motivate us to do Advent Conspiracy year after year. Even in September of this year, I went to our ministry leadership team and I said, I asked the question, you know, Advent Conspiracy is something that I love to do, but I want to make sure it's still relevant. Uh, is it still makes sense for us as a church to talk about wells at Christmas? And the ministry leadership team assured me that uh, that this was something that still, after over 10 years of doing it in our community, still had life and vitality and was still in need, something that we wanted to talk about. And so when we joined Advent Conspiracy in 2008, we knew that we wanted to help address the world's water crisis because providing clean water is such a tangible way of showing God's love and God's care. And maybe as I've already mentioned, in, those past, in the past 10 years, through only fundraising during Advent, We've been able to donate over $55,000, that does not include this year's donations, $55,000 that in partnership with Mary Medical Mission has built 146 wells and impacted over 17,000 people. And what you may not know is that on top of every well that Mary Medical Mission builds, they uh, inscribe in the cement, uh, to God be the glory. And they inscribe that in English and then in the local uh, tribal language. Uh, the reality is we'll likely never know the full impact of these wells or the differences that are made in the lives of real people. Uh, and then their children. And then their children's children. Uh, because when you make an investment in clean water, you don't just change one life. You change a life for generations to come. Uh, you, you change a family, you change an entire village. Uh, it's really fantastic, and even after 10 years of doing this, I'm still not tired of it. I still get excited when I think about the level of impact that these wells have had and are making. I'm still inspired when I look at all the pictures of the wells that we've been able to build. Um, but the story of these pastors in Africa takes a surprising turn on that very first trip. So let me continue reading. We listened as the village chief told us those who have died recently because of the illnesses that came from the drinking this water. So standing in our small circle was a man whose son had just died from a waterborne disease. The faces on these, el on these elders of the village were somber and hopeless, almost resigned to the fact that burying their children would always be a part of their lives. We knew that in several weeks our churches would be taking Christmas offerings and we knew that by partnering with Living Water International in a couple of months, this village would not have to rely on this well ever again. And for us, this was good news and we wanted to share it with the chief and his elders. And so when this message of hope was delivered with great passion by a translator from the area who was just as excited as we were, the weathered face of this honorable elder remained impassive. He simply just stared at us. 
Even our translator was puzzled by this lack of emotion. And so when, he, when we asked the chief if he understood what this would mean for his people, his answer was unforgettable. Quote, others have made promises in the name of this Jesus, but they were never kept. Unquote. He was a man whose hope had dried up and had blown away because others had made promises in the name of Jesus that they never bothered to keep. The authors of this uh, book go on to ask a really important question. And the question is this. Is it possible that someone thought it would be enough to tell this village about that God loved them without also feeling compelled to be an active agent of that love? I want to read that question again because I think it's really important. Uh, is it possible that someone thought that it was enough to tell people of the village that God loved them without feeling compelled to be an active agent of that love? Uh, it's a really important question because the truth is, is it's easy to over-spiritualize Christianity. Uh, where we get so concerned about getting people into heaven that we ignore the conditions of their life today. You with me? Uh, and, and I would say that making this mistake is, is really inconsistent with the life and ministry of Jesus. Because if there's one part of the ministry of Jesus that we can't ignore, it is his call to care for the poor. But it isn't just the ministry of Jesus that all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, that is what we call the Old Testament, uh, is, is filled with a call to love and to care for those who are impoverished or marginalized, poor, and destitute. In fact, here's just a small sample. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, do not let us love with words or speech alone, but with actions and in truth. Uh, then the prophet Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And then Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And then Gospel of Luke chapter, four, chapter 14 says, Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then you will be blessed. For although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Did you catch it? From just that small sampling, uh, from the Old Testament prophets to the wisdom literature to the gospels and even the writings of the apostles is consistent with, with this message that God is on the side of the impoverished even when no one else is. That is to say this, that the call of God's people is to help mirror God's care and compassion into the world. That, that the God that we serve has this, is like the opposite of the Grinch, right? The Grinch whose heart is two sizes too small. God has this gigantic heart and is full of compassion. And his people are called then to mirror that back into the world. Which is to say this, that any gospel that doesn't include the care for the poor and the marginalized is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. But can I have a moment of honesty with you? It's easy to be overwhelmed, isn't it? 
It's so easy to be overwhelmed. With, with, with so many impoverished people, how could we ever solve this problem? Uh, with the scale of the problems that cause poverty, the, the, the systems that lead people into poverty, what could possibly be done? With the sheer size of the global water problem, what could we ever do to even make a dent? These are good and these are honest questions. In fact, these are questions that we should be asking. Uh, but I think that we can be pointed in the right direction this morning by Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 34. Uh, I want to read it to us. I think it will be up on the screen as well. But Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 34, says this. Uh, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to visit? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have also done for me. For this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, what Matthew 25 does is interesting, isn't it? What it does is it describes these simple acts of service. Simple acts such as offering something to eat or to drink, welcoming someone, clothing them, visiting them. And yet, despite their very simple nature, these acts matter to God. In fact, these simple acts of love matter so much to God that, that God says that if we do these things, then we are, in essence, doing them to and for Him. I was encouraged this week because the answer to the difficult and honest question of what can we really do that will make a dent seems to be from Matthew chapter 25, do what you can where you are. Uh, and, and if we take that seriously, it's, I don't think it kind of lets us off the hook, right? I mean, sometimes, oh, just, just do what you can, and we kind of use that as a way of just getting off the hook. But here's the thing, if we take that seriously, it doesn't let us off the hook, but rather it moves us in the right direction because you and I can do more than we think. You with me? <laughs> you see, sometimes we try to dim diminish what we can actually do, and I think what this passage is doing is increasing the possibilities of what you and I can do if we'll just look around us. Now, there will certainly be times for large-scale global strategies, but these are not the acts that are described in Matthew 25. What are described in Matthew 25 are simple acts that are done in love for those who are impoverished. Small acts of love, like a mid-sized church in Colorado deciding that it's gonna start building wells every Christmas for 10 years running and impacting the lives of 17,000 people around the world. Or, or small acts of love like 
taking 45 minutes on a Saturday afternoon and caroling to residents of assisted living like we did yesterday and had a really great time. Or playing games once a month with those same residents. I was, it was really fun for me to see as a pastor. Uh, I don't go often to the game nights. I've been a time or two, but for those who are really consistent to the, to the game nights, to be able to go yesterday and see them and go to the resident and say, hi, Nancy, how are you doing? How have you been? And you can see that there's a relationship building here. And, and listen, I don't know if, if Nancy across the parking lot has family in town, biological family, but I do know that she has family in town. Do you know what I mean? That, that there's this relational connection. That's a small act of love that makes a world of difference. Small acts of love like feeding the homeless men and women once a month for over five years in an event that we call Renee's Hope. Small acts of love, like taking a couple of weeks out of the year and actually housing homeless families in our facility, serving them meals, staying overnight, caring for their children while they have essential meetings doing all of these kinds of things are very, well, they're, they're not huge in and of themselves. But Matthew 25 seems to indicate that these small acts of love are the very things to which God invites us to do. Are you with me this morning? Uh, Mother Teresa said it very well when she said, there are no great acts. There are only small acts done with great love. You see, the temptation when it comes to love all is for that to become too overwhelming and for us to think, you know what, we could never do enough. And here's what the mindset of I could never do enough leads to, is I'm not going to do anything, right? If our mindset is I can never do enough, then I'm just not going to do anything. So I would want to say to you today that the temptation to believe that you could never do enough is a lie. While we could always do more, what we do is enough because it is small acts of love that change the world. And so this morning, really, as your pastor, I first just want to say thank you for joining together and changing the world this Christmas. And I mean that sincerely. Thank you for joining together and changing the world this Christmas. In, in September and October and November, while you guys were, were crafting and getting ready for the gift fair, what you were doing is you were changing the world. As you've been prayerfully considering, is there something that we want to do uh, in order to give to the Advent Conspiracy Fair is there, or the, the offering? Is there something that we can do a little extra? As you're prayerfully considering that, what you're doing is you're changing the world. As you participate in it with us uh, in these compassionate ministry events uh, to the impoverished and the poor and the homeless, just right in our own neighborhood. As you do that throughout the year, what you're doing is changing the world. And I am proud to be the pastor of a church that loves all, that moves toward compassion. 
who kind of recognizes that, you know, we're not this gigantic group of people that can make this huge swoop, but we can come together and do what we can. And we can live into this Matthew 25 principle. My practical encouragement to you, this, this series has been built on just a practical encouragement every week. And uh, thank you, I begged last week for in, uh, in, like encouragement or feedback regarding to the playlist on list one. Many of you did that. Thank you. We are encouraged. <laughs> but my practical encouragement to you this week is, is simply this, uh, to serve the impoverished in some way. And whether you do that this Christmas season or whether you just try to be more intentional about it in the year to come, I would encourage you to do that. You could do it as a family through some of our opportunities that we provide throughout the year. It could be impromptu, informal, it could be planned. It could be by yourself or with friends or with family. But in, in so doing, you will be helping us to love all. Because love all, and I would submit the love of God, is without condition. Uh, we're really good at conditional kinds of love, aren't we? Uh, we'll love you if you behave. We'll love you if you do this. We'll love you if the, and we put all these guardrails around love. Um, but the love of God comes without condition or pre-approval. Love, uh, receiving the love of God is not like applying for a mortgage where you have to be pre-approved. And then you walk through all these conditions in order to say, yeah, you deserve this. But rather the love of God is, comes to us just as the rain falls and the sun shines. It goes without condition. And so in doing these small things, you are helping us to, in very tangible ways, demonstrate and to mirror the love of God into the world. And I want to say thank you, and I want to say let's keep going. I want to spur us on to continue loving as God has loved us. Amen? Oh, well, let me say a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll go about our regular business of communion and prayers and a final song. Heavenly Father, today um, we're thankful that at this time of year we are reminded of the great love that you have had for us. But your love, God, is not past tense. It's not something that was done and now it's over, but rather your love continues on, demonstrated to us so clearly that you would be willing to let go of power and privilege and position, that you would humble yourself, take on human form, but then even that you would become obedient to death on a cross. God, thank you for the love that you have poured out to us that is, not without, that is without condition, that does not require pre-approval. So now, Lord, help us as your people then to demonstrate that love back into the world.
and to do that in very tangible ways. Um, For God, you did not just speak about love, but you showed us love through your action. And so God, help us uh, to love as you have loved. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.